0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming in to our next podcast. You can probably tell by the title that we are going to take a recap look at our Driven series that we just came out of with a shared sermon series that we had with Pastor Adam and Pastor Nate and myself. Uh, My name's Daniel, lead pastor here at Peninsula. We're going to take just a few moments to... Talk about our Driven series. It was a five message series, and we have joining us here today Pastor Adam and Pastor Nate. And uh, we're going to talk through this and kind of revisit uh, why we did the Driven series and uh, what it was about and how it connects to each individual, how it connects to Peninsula, and why it makes what Peninsula uh, is about and everything. But thank you guys for joining me here today as we talk about this. And, um, Glad to do it. Yeah. Looking forward to I had an this email discussion. that said
1: I didn't have a choice. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> That's right. Your
0: email said, be here Glad or to be here. else. Yeah. Cause you get those kind of emails all the time from
1: Multi- multiple podcast people. We're just really in demand right now. Adam and I, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, funny stuff. Well, I'm going to very quickly
0: go back over. First of all, I wanted to say how amazing it was to have other pastors on staff that when we were talking about the Driven Series that had insight into it and your willingness to step up and be a part of the speaking team that comes out on stage and gives kind of your research and homework uh, to the message, allowing God to lead us. But we started, it uh, it was August 7th, and it went through September 4th. It was five weeks running, this Driven Series, and we kind of were taking it off of the verse, for the love of Christ controls us. And uh, we had several words that was kind of framing up who we're to be as believers, but also framing up uh, who we are as Peninsula Baptist Church. And those words were become, live, um, uh, make, and display, and go. And so we kind of took those. I took two of those. You guys took three of those, and I kind of wanted to connect the dots. I'm one of those kind of guys that likes to connect the dots. Why are you doing that? And I'm hoping that the people who have heard the sermon series knew that it was demonstrating that everything we do at Peninsula, we do with intention. It's not just, oh, that's tradition, and we're doing it because that's what a church should do, or that's a neat thing to do, but we have a reason that is driving us to do what we do, from worship— To a cupcake fellowship, I
1: don't know why I said cupcake (laughs) fellowship, other than the fact that maybe I'm getting a little hungry. I don't know, but wait, there's not going to be a cupcake fellowship. You're just going to drop that out there and then then tell us it's fictional. Calendar right now. Well, if we
0: could figure out a way to tie that into our nothing but cakes
1: fellowship, sounds great.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah, that's right. Now we owe them money because you use them in a podcast and we have to...
1: They owe us money. That's advertising. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. But everything that we do is with in- intentionality that we're not just doing things because it's on a whim or it sounds cool or anything like that, but it's, it's kind of driving us to be more of the kingdom that... Uh, you know, we've been called to be. So let's kind of recap uh, the messages. I think, uh, Nate, you started out and then we went to Adam and then we went back to Nate and then I did the last two. Um, let's talk a little bit of the reasoning behind your messages that that you did. Uh, the first one was become. Nate, you yeah. started out on that one. And how does that connect? Uh, how do, Let's revisit that for just a moment.
1: We're going to go way back to see the connection here as well as I just sitting here thinking about it. Um, it's very appropriate that this series comes in between a series on Genesis and a series on Mark. You've got the the first Adam who brought sin into the world, and you've got the second Adam who removed sin from the world. And so starting into driven of who we are as individuals and who the church is to be together based on what Christ has done in our life, we start with become because we, we're we born in sin because of Adam that we just came out of and seeing that mm-hmm. whole beginning and then um, we can be born again, and we can be pulled out of that. We can become something different. And so, my my main, the main crux of that, um, we were in Matthew chapter seven for the first for the first week, and really hammering down on, are we truly in Christ? Have we truly become um, who we say we are? Um, are we just in this Christian culture? Do we like the things of God, but maybe not uh, have have surrendered to Christ ourselves and. Jesus boils down in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. There will be people who stand before him who say that they have preached in his name and cast out demons in his name and done wonderful works in his name. And he says, I didn't know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And it was all about relationship the whole time and not about what we're doing for him, but what he has done for us and whether we've surrendered to that and turned from what we're doing. We're really not just turning from our sin when we come to Jesus, we're turning from our, um, our desire to do good works to make us right before God and saying, I can't do this. I not only can't stop my sin on my own, I can't get to God on my own, and I'm coming through the only one who is the sin stopper, who is the one who is righteousness, and coming to him in a real way. And so that, that's really what we wanted to drive down on the first week, not just what is the foundation below it because he talks about the foundation and the the wise man and the foolish builder as well but not just what's under underneath that but have we have we even started that relationship what's at the what's at the ground level of that what are we building on what are we trusting in uh, and not just trusting in what we're building but trusting in who is there that justifies us before God in the well, first me, place?
0: Let me kind of jump in for a second and ask you a question, because you said something there just a moment ago. You started out with knowing that you are truly becoming who Christ wants you to be and, and everything. And I remember at, in a young age, um, I was following Christ. I had given my life to Christ, but I would hear a message like that, and then I would doubt my salvation. Um. Maybe either one of you, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you, Nate, but let's talk about that for a few moments, about doubting your salvation. What, what brings about doubting your salvation? How do you shore that up so you're not walking through life wondering, well, am I saved? Am I not saved? You know, there's a lot of confusion in I, that, especially in an early...
1: Yeah, I think, early. I think Jesus, within those couple of verses, Matthew seven twenty one through 23, he kind of pushes people towards doubting something. Not their salvation, but something. Doubting themselves and not their salvation, because um, it is okay to test ourselves to see whether we're truly in the faith, and that's where we should start. Say what am I? the question you can ask yourself if you're in that boat. You hear a message like that, and you're thinking, "Oh no, should I get saved again? Did I did I get baptized?" deep enough in the water the first time that we start we start questioning all these things about yeah i have
0: baptized the, i have done baptism before where the person's t- very tip of their hair didn't get completely wet yeah that doesn't work you know <laughs> that's right that baptism didn't count uh, but
1: like we have those we have those thought processes of oh no what if i'm this and we should ask ourselves what are we trusting in for our salvation if we're trusting in god then and we're trusting in christ alone he's done it all he's done everything necessary to save us and i've put my faith and trust in that then what i'm essentially doubting if i continue down that path of doubt is i'm doubting his ability to keep me Mm -hmm. and his ability to keep me is not in question because he's god if i'm doubting oh no have i done enough have i gone to church long enough have i been involved enough then we have some reason to peel that back what's under there what is the foundation of your faith if it is work if it is your works, then doubt away, because the salvation might not be there. Mm-hmm. But if it's Christ, we should come back to an assurance of, I'm glad it doesn't depend on me. I'm really glad it doesn't depend on me, that I'm, I'm not in control of keeping me. I wasn't in control of saving me. I, I didn't do the work of salvation. Jesus so did.
0: Can someone truly be saved
1: and still doubt if they are? Absolutely. What is whatever is not of faith is sin, right? And so, as we get into the worrying about salvation and doubting, there comes a point to where that that falls short of God's glory, and so it's well in keeping with the things that Christians and non Christians can yeah. do, uh, because we're human, we're finite, we've got those, we've got those questions. Um, if we could never have any questions or never experience any of that. Um. Well. Oh man. This is this really where I'm at? Then. 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 We're. In, it. It's hard to say. Um. If we couldn't experience that. That. That's. That's outside the realm of where a Christian can be. I mean, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was asking God the Father if there be another way, let's do it. It's not that Jesus thought there was another way. He knew that there wasn't another way. Right. But there's even those moments of, mm, if there really was, and I, and God can take, his shoulders can take our doubt. Uh, that he didn't tell Gideon when he put out a fleece before him, okay, I'm going to use somebody else. Not only did he fulfill a sign that Gideon was asking for, Gideon then the next day thought, Well, what if it was this way? What if this part's dry and this part's wet? And God came through again. So doubting can be a normal part of our process
0: of walking as a Christian, but it should not be... um kind of like debilitating it shouldn't freeze us it yeah. shouldn't, if, if it has stumped us from moving forward we mm. need to we need to get with someone and talk about it if we have doubting that's yeah. kind of made us like deer in headlights where we're just standing there staring at what's next
1: and go go back to what christ has done so if if i'm doubting a human being whether they're going to be at this meeting or not i'm usually doing it based on the fact that they were late before they didn't show up before they left me hanging when you when you look at god and not your side of the the problem, but God's side of the equation, when has he let you down? When has he failed anybody? And when we, when we look to him and trust that um, that really shores up our faith in a really real way. And so the, I would encourage any Christian if you're having those doubts rather than immediately jump to maybe all this isn't true first recount what God has done in his word and in your life and first doubt your doubts. Give him that. Mm-hmm. Doubt your doubts first. Maybe my doubt is the problem mm, and not the one who never moves, the one who is always the same and who is who has never changed. He's immutable throughout the ages. Yeah. Let's start there. That there may be maybe the deficiency in my understanding of why I'm doubting this is me and not God.
2: Yeah, I think part of that too is what's the What's the driver of our doubt is it something in our lives because i think that that can be it like i don't feel like i am living as i should in that sense of i see sin it's not as put away from my life as i would want it to be Mm -hmm. Uh, we are going to continue to strive for holiness and godliness for the rest of our lives i mean paul talks about this that we are going to wrestle against these things and we're going to have to be killing sin and putting away so that can be a source of doubt but also. That sense of, do we know who God is? Do we know what the Scriptures teach? Or is it an intellectual thing that somebody's posed Mm -hmm. a question to us? You know, where Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that we are going to... Essentially, he wants to make sure that we are trained to know God and know what we believe so that we won't be tossed back and forth every time someone presents an argument before us. They're like, I've never thought through these things. And so I think there can be two different rationales Mm -hmm. for our doubt. Is it sin I see in my life? And I think that has a different answer Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. someone's asking a difficult intellectual or theological question. So the
0: beginning point to be driven by Christ is becoming a believer in Christ, yeah. and if you're not there yet, then please seek out. Consider today being the day that you um, seek out how to become a believer in Christ and giving your life to Him, and then that segues into, Adam, your message on becoming, mm-hmm. not becoming, but what was the to word? To live. To live, yeah. what, living, and the reason I, said, I went to the word become was because the illustration you gave of the king who who was given the station, mm-hmm. but he realized he wasn't the king yet in his own characteristics that yeah. he needed to become that. So maybe speak into a little bit about, um, you know, a little bit more of that or wherever you feel you yeah know, God so leading on that. It really
2: came from just this idea of really thinking through what it means to grow as a believer. And I think that that analogy is something, at least that really kind of stuck with me, that idea of we hold the position of redeemed son or daughter of the creator of the universe we are in christ we are uh, positionally sanctified and holy before god but we all know that we don't feel that way often that that's not necessarily when i look at when i woke up today through how that not is that's not always how uh, i feel like my life is depicted or what i feel like it looks like and so I, i that illustration just kind of stuck out in my mind um I, by the way i mentioned that movie the king's speech i haven't seen it in a really long time so it's not an endorsement of that movie or not i don't know what's in there <laughs> i you know it, it, but it's a really interesting movie of and just this idea of somebody who knew that people were relying on him they needed him they needed him to be a certain way and he was just simply not capable of doing that and he worked he gave effort he strove and that stuck with me because I think one of the things we have to be careful of, and there's a couple of really good um, things I've read on this a while, there, there's a book by a guy Kevin DeYoung called The Whole and Our Holiness. and I, Somebody mentioned a book that I recommended to them this last Sunday, and I said, if I'm good for anything, it's a book recommendation. <laughs> so I'll give you that one if you're interested. But one of the reasons that stuck with me is I think we can be prone to going too far one way or the other. Like... We can be scared of legalism that, you know, if you strive hard, kind of what Nate was talking about, if we strive hard enough, we work hard enough, that we feel like that is going to secure our place before God, and that will leave us empty. That will not work. But God does call us, Is Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4, to train ourselves, to grow in godliness, to pursue holiness. Those are good things. And so what we don't want to do is in a desire to make sure that we are not living in portraying ourselves in some sort of legalistic way that we want to just kind of flippantly not worry about holiness that you know it's not that like we we rely on grace and absolutely we do but that has implications for our life and that should mean that we are growing in Christ likeness as, as Paul said in Romans 8 that we're we're going to be conformed to the image of the son and we're going to look more like Christ and so just the idea that We want to train ourselves for it. Part of how we live as believers is to strive and to work toward godliness and to center our lives around that. And when I said a minute ago about doubt can come from either one of those two ways, sin in our life or something we believe, that's what really kind of skipped down toward the end of that passage in 1 Timothy 4 where he does he he tells Timothy to keep a close watch on your life and doctrine. And so many times I know that people in my own life or people that I've talked with from someone from the church or somewhere else who someone in their life is is walked away from the faith or struggling it's one of those two things almost always it's a sin that is crept up and they know that does not match to what they say they believe and in some senses they're being honest to say those two can't go together or it's something uh that they're struggling with a, a particular aspect of theology or what scripture teaches and so, you know, it's using that analogy in the sermon of one of the most embarrassing and terrifying moments of my life. I, my wife was like, why are you outing us in front of everybody about <laughs> losing our daughter on the beach? Uh, but using that because what I wanted to say there was that gut feeling of terror um, mm-hmm. when when I realized that we, we didn't know exactly where to put our eyes on a four-year-old that is what sometimes I feel like that can happen if we take our eyes off our life and our doctrine, what how we live and what we believe. That somehow then we're going to come to that place of just this gut sense of something terrible has just happened.
0: Well, let me let me ask you a question. This doesn't have to be just for you, Adam, this could be for you as well, Nate. Um, this is one of the benefits of kind of hosting a podcast, I can throw these questions out there and just sit here and quietly and listen. Um, but. Uh, the 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 becoming the living, mm-hmm. uh, trying to become more like Christ. If the sanctification process is complete at at the point of me receiving Christ into my heart, I am washed white as snow, as some of the old hymns would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I am cleansed. I am forgiven. Oh uh, why can't I just be me now? Why do I need to try to become like Christ in my character and in my lifestyle? Why can't I just be me? If 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 the blood of Jesus Christ sanctifies and cleans and pays the penalty for all of of everything that I've have done, am doing and will do, why then do I need to become like Christ. Ooh, that was a good one. I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear this I one. Th- I think
1: the very beginning of your question, you probably meant to say positionally we're sanctified. At right, the what did I say? I can't remember. Uh, you said the sanctification process is complete. Oh yeah, gotcha. Um, but I know what you mean. Like yeah. the, We're justified, mm-hmm. and we are, we are that. Like we we are, and he didn't use this word before when Adam was saying that we're righteous and holy and so forth. We we try not to use the word we're perfect, but that's what the Bible calls us. We're perfect, we're holy, we're set apart for something else. But we don't always look like it, and if we don't continue with progressive sanctification and 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 where we're trans we're being transformed into the image of His Son, so that people can look at us and see Jesus, then no other people are going to be drawn into that relationship. Why would I want to be like somebody who's just like me? And where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. They're like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to what I'm supposed to do with this walk. So therefore, I'm just going to do whatever. There's that. There's that mentality, and, and I've seen that all through ministry and all through my life, especially in the South where we live, where people are just like, yeah, I did that. I made that right. And they haven't been involved in the church. They don't, they don't fellowship with other believers, and they've just kind of punched a ticket, and they think that saying a few words in a certain order mm-hmm. has somehow given them access to heaven, but they were never trying to get access to a new life in Christ. They were trying to get access... To a get out hell free card or something like mm-hmm. that. and and there's a uh, it's kind of a dangerous position to be in because it's like what what were you really trying to do there? Um, because when you're a believer, although you're specifically forgiven, we have to start to be like the one who's redeemed us because Jesus really came so that he could present us. Uh, we could be presented as a bride without wrinkle and without spot. Um, not so that we would just be called that. Uh, we well, and
0: we're to be a new creation. Yeah, so yeah. kind of halfway answering my own question. I had someone sitting in my office today that was saying one of the reasons they have not given in to the Christian faith yet is mm-hmm. because of what they've seen demonstrated through other believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quote-unquote believers, I yeah, guess yeah. I should say, which um, I had to kind of talk through that a little bit. But when he first said it, I was thinking, oh, goodness, I hope you weren't watching me because i would hate to be the one that was a stumbling block for you coming to christ i think you have to be i think that
2: that is valid i think we have to be careful with it too because yes we are positionally sanctified and holy before god when when god looks at those who genuinely profess faith and trusted christ he does not see sin and our brokenness and messed up life he sees the perfect life of christ in us but we have just a lot of things that paul tells you know we're going to spend the rest of our lives being conformed to to changing and becoming who god desires for us to be and i think one of the things about that is that we have to be careful as believers not to feel like what nate was saying not only do we want to you know essentially escape judgment card but you know thinking through holiness okay heaven glorification those sorts of things but becoming more like Christ is what is best for us in this life now too. It's not that we, you know, if we just don't do certain things, if we, you know, we'll give up certain things that might seem better to us because that's just what we're supposed to do. But when God tells us how to live in this holy lifestyle and this redeemed lifestyle, it's not because he desires just to kind of see how far we'll go. He knows what's genuinely best for us. And I think that that's part of us growing in that in desiring that holiness is for us to realize that might not be what the world and people around us tell us is best, but that is what is good and right and best for us in this life. Even mm. now, yeah, and
0: I think if this the and the love of Christ controls us is the foundation of what that driving motivation is. It's not within my own nature to want to do better. It's the love of Christ that's compelling me and controlling me mm-hmm. to to do better
1: and to be better. Yeah, if if it wasn't for fear and shame and guilt and regret and comparison, we'd never have anybody in our office talking to us. You know, those those things are the things that are attached to living a life of doing what we want rather than pleasing God mm-hmm. and glorifying him in what we do. And so God is offering not this cage that you're in, he's offering to free you from the cage. He's offering to give you abundant, fulfilled free life where you don't have the guilt, shame, regret, you know, all the stuff I just said. Yeah. Um, you, you don't have that. And I, I think that that is, that is what the beauty of it is because um, it's not about, okay, I'm a Christian now. Now I need to try to do better, be better. All our righteousness is filthy rags. And I believe, I firmly believe a Christian could be presenting filthy rags before God if they're trying to do good things on their own and not allowing those good things to to flow through them with the help of the Spirit, because if we walk in the Spirit, we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. They, they, they work counterintuitive, but we can, for the wrong motivation, be gratifying the desires of the flesh, even in our good works. Um, not because uh, good works are bad, but because good works apart from Christ have always been filthy rags. It's got to be him living through us, as if God himself were making his appeal through us. And I think to tie it back to what we were talking about with people just worrying about, oh, no, what if I didn't do this? It, it's the same. Am I really a Christian? Am I doing enough? Am I being good enough? All of those things. One of the reasons why we have so many doubts is because the Holy Spirit speaks in, in the same way to a non-Christian as a Christian. He says, that sin's not supposed to be there. Give it to me. And so when the non-Christian is drawn to Christ and they give those sins over, and they repent from those sins, they give it to the Holy Spirit, they're following that prompting, and then a Christian starts doing the wrong things, and the Holy Spirit's like, that sin's not supposed to be there, give it to me, you're supposed to turn from that. And sometimes we can mistake that conviction for um, a drawing to salvation when we already have life in Christ, and He's really calling us to holiness yeah, yeah, um, and, through Him. And I wanted to take a moment, you have kind of alluded to, both of you actually have...
0: Uh, alluded to this verse, and so I was just looking it up. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, and it's uh, really starting, that concept of what you are just talking about starts at verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship that's a cool pulling mm-hmm. out of that we're his mm-hmm. workmanship in other words he's doing a work in us created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so mm-hmm. part of that changing that that living after you become a believer and that living and that character change is a work of God in yeah. our lives that's kind of pushing us forward which brings us back to now okay so we have kind of a We need to get beyond our doubt. Um, We need to become the character and the person, integrity in our walk and belief system that God has called us to do because the love of Christ controls us. But then there's a higher call even in that, that now we're asked to go multiply That was the next week, uh, coming back around, circling back around to you, Nate, that you took of talking about multiplying, going out and sharing your your faith, and it's the love of Christ that compels us. And this past week in the message that I brought, I I was saying that we tend to stall out at that point Mm -hmm. uh, of going to talk to other people. Now, we might have little conversations along the way, but how do we get to the point to where it's just our makeup of who we are that our we wake up in the morning and we're going to look for a way to go make others
1: one thing i challenge people to not to think about but to just just think about a world that would exist where you could literally see it on people's foreheads either believer in christ or separated from god Mm. if we saw that it would change everything about us i I think some things that you shared this past week um, pushed in that direction too a video about how we could reach the world in 34 years if everybody would, if one person would disciple somebody for a year each year and train somebody else to do that, and so much more effective than even mass evangelism. And uh, it's it's a mind shift away from, these are people I interact with, and these are the people that I, I care about and would like to see in heaven, to these are the people for whom Christ died, and seeing that everywhere, and seeing that, and um, on the waitress's forehead, and on on the the person working on your car, and everywhere that your 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 kid's teacher, it changes it because it it takes that the level of responsibility of what an ambassador of Christ actually is, a representative of Christ, not a. I'm not just a servant of Christ, I'm not just a a disciple where i'm I'm learning and hopefully following and stuff i'm I'm representing him everywhere I go, mm-hmm. and there's not a downtime for that and that that that's not a, a legalistic pressure of oh no, I can't mess up people are watching, but if the motivation is the love of Christ, if that's what's controlling, truly controlling us, then um how we view how we view other people is going to shift. it's going to change to hopefully more loving when somebody cuts you off in traffic or even cuts you off and gets in front of you in the in the checkout line, it acts like they didn't see you lined up there. Uh, th- there's somebody for whom Christ died. And that, that should shift for, it shifts for me of, yeah, that person may be a pain to my earthly existence right now. But in the grand scheme of things, who cares that I'm one further back in this line or one further back in this... This line, this is somebody who is separated from God, potentially. Um, They may be a believer who's just messing up in the moment. Right. Um, But it could be somebody for whom Christ died. And who am I, a flawed human being who doesn't deserve a relationship with God and who has one simply because of God's grace, to try to deny that type of grace through my actions and attitude to this person. And I'm saying this as if I've got it all figured out and I never mess up, but that's not the case. You know, I have these same thoughts, I have these same um, tendencies as human, and they're things I have to take captive and give them over to Christ. Otherwise, uh, my mind will be renewed in the wrong way, and I'll start to develop these lines of thoughts where that's my go-to rather than to walk in the spirit and to think like Christ as the, as the Mm go-to and the other things to be the foreign things that I need to keep out on a regular basis, because we want, we want the spirit to lead us. If the spirit's not leading us, we'll be led by anything. And, and that's, that's damaging because then as an ambassador, I don't represent Christ. I don't look like Christ. And it, and when he says, as if God himself were making his appeal through us, and then you sit down in your office with somebody or I sit down in my office or Adam, and the person say that you know I would have probably been a Christian if it wasn't for Christians, then our being ambassadors is as if God himself were making his appeal through us they're hearing that God's a certain way because of the way we are as ambassadors mm-hmm. and
0: when they're painting a picture and of... that
1: we're yeah we're painting that picture we're, we're we're spelling out the Bible in a way that the Bible isn't spelled out
2: I think also just familiarity with doing it, right? Like, so if I'm going to share the gospel with somebody and it's the first or second or third time, it's going to feel maybe kind of awkward. I'm probably going to stumble my way through it. I'm not going to feel eloquent or like I did that really well. Mm -hmm. But if we quit at that, we're never going to get better at it. You know, it's actually I'm sitting here as we're talking, I'm thinking I'm sitting a couple hundred feet away from the place that I ever stood in front of a group of people and opened up the Bible and taught out of it. Hmm. Uh, I was in high school. And I actually, a few years back, found a video of that and have hidden it well um, from anybody ever finding that. You know, the first time I do that, Lord willing, now, uh, 20 years later or so, I'm going to be able to do that better. And in 20 years, I'll hopefully be better than I am now. Why? Because I've just spent a lot more time doing it than I had at that point. In mm-hmm. you know that same way too, if we're going to have a conversation with somebody, if we want to feel natural, if we're going Figure out ways to easily pivot a conversation about how we're going, or something's going on with their family, or things that people are struggling with, to sharing the gospel with them. It's going to come out of doing it frequently, and so if we just allow ourselves to stumble a couple times and feel like, okay, I've got to quit because I'm not good at that, we're never going to become good at it. So we just got to continue to grow in it. Somebody first, has to be
0: the first person you share. A, yeah, and, and 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 I think one kind of old school when I was growing up. Um, I was taught that there's the gospel presentation and there's this five or six step thing that you do to share the gospel. And that helped me, but it also it, it hurt me because I felt like that if I couldn't get through all five, I have failed in sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to figure out that just a gospel conversation around who Jesus is to me is the beginning point of sharing the gospel with someone, um, is putting that that conversation out there, I think sometimes our most difficult thing is steering our conversations to a gospel conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all ready to talk about, you know, any sporting event that, you know, and the thing that we could have seen done better by that coach or by that player or by that driver or whatever, Um, we're all ready to talk about those things or the latest vehicle we have or whatever you know, this. But when it comes to those gospel conversations, we tend to hold those in reserve. We don't have a mindset of saying, hey, I need, I, I want to turn this conversation into talking about things of my faith.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the, the first person I ever led to Christ, when I finally turned that conversation to, is this something that you might like to do? And they said, yes. <laughs> this isn't the first time I shared my faith. This is the first person I led to Christ. When they said yes, I was thinking, "What now? Why?" <laughs> <laughs> After what I just said and fumbled through, you want to accept Christ? Yeah. So there yeah. is that. I don't think a, you heard me clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I was horrible, but I, I I did hear somebody say, and that led back to it, because I I was so I almost didn't say that at the end. I almost said, "Well, I hope this is something you think about." Um, somebody told me, "Do you know the ABCs of salvation?" Uh, this was this was early in my Christian walk, and I was like, it's, it's admit, believe, confess. See, I only had three ways. You had five. Or the four spiritual laws. Depends, <laughs> See, you know. I don't even remember. I think it was five. I was like, admit, believe, confess? They're like, no, it's the same as sales. Always be closing. And, and I was I laughed about it, and they are like, no, seriously, so many people will share the gospel, and they never then look at the person and say, have you ever thought about this for you? And it changed the way that I shared my faith, because I was just kind of leaving it out there. And never really giving, like, I was like, basically I was throwing a ton of worms in the water, but there was no hook. Just I, like, think,
0: I think, too, we're kind of like, uh, we stall out because mm-hmm. we think... Whether or not the person gives their life to Christ is completely on us. Yeah. And I I think if we can switch our mindset to say that we're we're only failing if we're not sharing our faith. Absolutely. But the person coming to Christ is on the Spirit of God. It's not mm-hmm. on us. I mean, do you yeah. guys agree with it's, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and
2: I think also, you know, you, so Nate talked about the you know, ABCs or the Four Spiritual Laws or the Story or the, the Three Circles. Road. There's all sorts. Yeah, mm-hmm. Romans Right. There's all these different things. And I had an evangelism professor when I was in a seminar a couple of years back that was talking about this. And he was like, don't just – he actually helped write one of those, the story. He's like, it's not just memorizing a presentation. Like, okay, here's mm-hmm. you know, person A, and it's like a salesman. I got to get through this. But actually know what it believes. So when we're talking about the creation and the good creation of God, it's not just that we know the couple verses to point out and these different things. Do we know what we believe about God as creator and how he intended things? So we can actually have a conversation with somebody around these things. So
0: can I totally mess up sharing my faith?
1: If the gospel's not present. I, I think if you're just telling them about the the church kind of like as a social club or something like that, or it's really helped my family just to have some people, they can get that they can get that down at the bar or at an actual country club. Um, but if you're sharing the gospel, like Paul, I, I was reading in, in Acts recently. This wasn't Paul, sorry. Um, recently, I was reading. No, this was Paul, sorry. <laughs> recently, <laughs> somebody, somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. It the so it's in Philippians one. <laughs> that's what it is. So in Philippians one. Um, Paul was in prison and he's writing this to the Philippians and he has to address something that they've told him about. Basically that there's some people out there taking advantage of the fact that Paul's in prison to, to gain power and prestige within the church. And it talks as if these people are actually believers too, because you know, they're still, they're still in flesh and, and they're, they're doing this even though Paul's there to kind of be like, Hey, he's in prison. So I'm in charge and everything. And they want, it seems like the Philippians had wanted him to, Address this. Call them out, and he and he says, you know, if they're they're preaching the gospel, whether it's through vain conceit or whether out of pure motives, I don't care. It's still the gospel going forward, mm. so and the it's truth not is outside of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's not something I would yeah. say. I would be like, you need to stop it. But Paul <laughs> Paul was at the point where he's like, <laughs> the, the gospel is important. So if you if you're telling people that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the only thing that can make us right with God, and that's a decision you made, it doesn't matter what else you fumble over, or what, how you package it, whether you told a funny story, or whether you related to them on a deeper level, on on their interests and in hobbies, it doesn't matter. It will not return void. And the gospel is the power to salvation to everyone who believes. So without the gospel, there you're. you're it's like you're taking the power out. It's like you're trying to drag race somebody at a red light but you have no gas in your car. You're like, oh, get ready for this and then you're just sitting there and they just blow past you. The gospel's the power so bring the gospel, bring the power.
2: And God is the one who's doing it and so we trust, like you are saying Mm -hmm. a minute ago, we trust that the Spirit's working and that God is bringing people to salvation and we share, we share freely but I think one of the other ways we have to be careful and not messing up is this, you know, we don't want to kind of become manipulative and how we're talking to somebody and feeling like it's so much on us that we've got to kind of change a little bit here or tweak this message here or really how we're doing it you've seen that throughout the history of the church where mm-hmm. you know God moves in this incredible revival ways and history of America and then you see late people later who want to see that happen again but they want to see it happen again so much that they begin to manipulate people and how they are how they're sharing the gospel and the, the the ways that they're doing it and the methods they're using so I think we just need to be so careful you're saying that. we
1: shouldn't schedule a revival?
2: Revival—that's <laughs> a whole another question for another day. That's a whole episode. That one, you know. But if you ever, you know, a guy named Charles Finney, I think you know he wanted to see revival happen and use incorrect methods because he wanted that so much he was willing to go a little too far. He and so that feeling of what what can we do? We can be faithful to what Scripture says. We can be mm-hmm. faithful to share Christ with others, mm-hmm. to to incur, to to plead with them is, is you know, to believe, but then leave God at work right. there. And so, instead,
1: of, instead of saying, I, th- I hear this all the time, for any event, for anything we're doing church-wise, for any time anybody's sharing their faith, there's always, this, there's always somebody, and you might be that person listening who said this, and I've said it before, it's all well-meaning, we will say something like, it's worth it if just one person comes to Christ. And we've got to get that out of our mindset. No matter what you spin on the event or whatever, it's worth it if we're obedient mm-hmm. to the Great Commission and share the gospel even if no one believes it was worth it to share the gospel because God's the one who brings the increase.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you guys did such a phenomenal job on those messages to kind of give me a soft pitch softball (laughs) throw for me to be able to hit the next two messages on displaying, displaying what what the churches should be displaying to the world, and then the go. And all of those things lead up to display and go. The, the reason we do what we do as being driven by Christ is to become disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And you know the display of what the church is to display, if we have become believers and if we are Seeking to live and and be, you know, character wise, integrity wise, what we're supposed to be in in God's word, and we are going and making people that are going to multiply. Our display almost becomes automatic. Mm-hmm. So my message was more along the lines of, um, this is Christ died to create the church so that we could display his his beauty. And part of that is us working together to go and, and to go out and to, to seek other people. And um, part of the challenge that, that I've even had for myself that, that I've heard some feedback on that I gave in this last message on Go is if you were the only believer out of 8 billion people in the world, would the gospel move forward? And that's a question we all need to ask ourselves daily. And, and, and I want to be clear on it doesn't have to be Around the world, right? I would say that if you're listening to this, your first mission field are the four walls of your home, Mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone in your home is being discipled to become a believer in Christ and then to live that out in faith. And we as a church want to equip uh, homes to be able to do that, to to become that, Uh, because the only thing we can take to heaven with us are our loved ones. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to focus on, not this other
1: stuff that that's out there. And one of the greatest mischiefs we, we can even of. take our enemies if we lead them to Christ. You know, we see <laughs>
2: Paul and he's encouraging Timothy. And where did Timothy hear of the faith? That's from his mother and his grandmother. I think that that can be encouragement to you for good old Eunice and Lois. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, but if they. They were encouraging their son and their grandson in the things of the faith and laying a foundation for him and what he would do later. And Paul's writing these things to him I think that that can be encouragement for young parents or moms in particular. or If you're home and seeing these kids, that is a good and valuable work. That is what we should do. I frequently tell people I want to see many, many, many people in our community and all these places come to faith. The two people I care most in the world about seeing come to faith are the seven, four-year-old who live in my home. And yeah. so that, that is a good—that's a great place to start and then continue to go on. And outward. then if
0: you're, all of your family are believers, then your your family, while they're still living at home, and then if they go out and you're empty nesters, you who are living in your home becomes that sending mm-hmm. thing. You're sending people out to go. You're encouraging that one that's getting ready to go to college to—you are now a beacon of light on your hallway in your dorm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we've brought you up in this. Go and display and and share— Share your faith with other mm-hmm. with other people. And, I, and it's never too late. If you've got someone living in your home that's not a believer, it's never too late. In fact, I'm actually quoting the title of a book by Rob Reno. I'm going to drop a book title, hey, too. That's Adam. a good idea. <laughs> uh, but Rob Reno wrote a book, uh, It Was Never Too Late, and it's uh, written on his story about he was uh, witnessing to his dad who was not a believer. He was separated mm-hmm. from God all the way up to the end of his dad's life, which was in senior adult age, and uh, weeks before his dad passed, he gave his life to Christ. Mm-hmm. and And his book is saying it's never too late. You need to continue to uh, drop those nuggets of truth into people's lives and pray for them. Have other people pray for them that put the power of prayer on it. How you know that God would break through mm-hmm. the 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 hardness of someone's heart. Mm. And he's constantly, right? Isn't mm-hmm. God constantly trying to do that anyway? Yeah. And uh, we've given that kind of the the job of that reconciliation of going out and telling people— um, you know, there is a separation from God, but he has made a way. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you about what I've found mm-hmm. in him. And that's kind of that the love of Christ controls us. So at the very end here, as we're spending the last just couple minutes talking through, I want us to speak through that what I said at the very beginning, that everything we do at Peninsula is dri- driven by the love of Christ that walks through that. Um, I don't know. You could almost say the series we did called Driven we were demonstrating a pipeline Of you know you are here you need to be here. If you're not a believer you need to become a believer. If you are a believer you need to be becoming like Christ more and more every day. And you need to be making others. If you're becoming more like Christ but you've never shared your faith that's your next step. Go share your faith with someone. Um, and if you are sharing your faith with someone look around you and see are is, is your family is the church displaying the love of Christ and then are you helping send and then asking the final. Question question am I one that needs to go somewhere mm-hmm. I said I said it doesn't have to be around the world but it, it certainly <laughs> it certainly might be and yeah. so you need to ask that question of of never being static that's the thing I love about my faith is it never well Christ doesn't want me to remain static sometimes I'm right. static but he never wants me to be static in my walk with him that tomorrow brings something new to move me forward and that's the thing that excites me and that's what I want Peninsula to be, a place to come that's never really static. It's moving forward to champion the kingdom of Christ in this crazy, crazy world
1: that we live in. Yeah, As as we become and live and go and display, and uh, I missed up one. That's okay. Anyways, whatever. As, (laughs) As we become more like who Jesus wanted us to be, um, the the question you asked of would it spread if it was just you is 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 huge, but I would ask another question too. Like, if somebody were to just observe you, if they were just to observe you to write down what a Christian is, what a Christian does, and so forth, would they come up with what we've just talked about here? Where they come with something else. I'm going to name drop a book as well. So um, there's a book called this The Christian... a three-book episode, man. Yeah. I it was going to be one fish, two fish, <laughs> red... Just kidding. Um, but The Christian Atheist, I read a few years ago by Craig Gershell and he asked those same questions of, you know, do you really live like you say you believe? Do you live like people are actually separated from God? Do you live like there's actually a heaven and a hell? Do you or do we just say these things? We believe Mm -hmm. these things, we go to church and so forth, or does it transform the way that you carry out your life? Because it can be easy to to live and do things as if those truths aren't real. Um, And if we do, we're, we're living as if we're an atheist, even though we would never identify as an atheist. We'd say, no, I believe these things. Then we need to live like the things that we say we believe. And it is that pipeline of, am I in the faith? If I am... Am I growing? If I'm growing, am I am I helping other bec- people become this and discipling them? Mm-hmm. Am I displaying Christ before the world? And am I am I actually going and taking part in the Great Commission to send, to go, to be where I am um, going as I? As I am, you know, whether we go right. somewhere else or I'm going right in the midst of me. Sometimes it, our, our going in evangelism seems more like a treadmill. We're just beside somebody else at a treadmill. We're not running to the other side of the world. We're just having a conversation with the next guy on the treadmill.
0: Well, some people will ask the question as we finish up here. Um, they'll say, well, I, can you help me figure out what God's will is for my life. Yeah, go listen to the five sermon series uh, <laughs> called Driven um, that we just did, and you will see God's will for your life. First is to be reconciled to God through Christ, um, and then it is to become like Him and to share. And I know what they're asking when they're asking that. You know, should I take this job or not take this job? Go to this job? school or that school. Yeah, right. what, yeah that's what they're God's really want to be you. specific about.
1: He's Let me just go ahead and tell you what He's calling you to do in case you've been struggling with it. He's calling you to the ministry of reconciliation and whether you have to work another job uh, to make ends meet and to pay your bills and so forth, where you are in that job, you're still in the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people into a right relationship with God by sharing the gospel. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so in his will, completing his will, doing his will, is sharing the gospel, is becoming like him. He's calling us to do those things. Um, so like you think, what, what, what job should I have as a, you're an ambassador, (laughs) that's your job. And you probably are going to make money some other way. Mm -hmm. Now he may call you into full-time vocational ministry where you make money that way. Um, but even then your job is an ambassador, whether people are paying you to stand up and preach on a Sunday or whether people are paying you to get under the hood of their car or to teach young children or to, to stitch somebody up in the emergency room it's the ministry of reconciliation that he's called us to. And when we don't partner in that, it would be like being called to full-time vocational ministry and going up and rambling on a Sunday morning and never opening the Bible. I think like, how long would that person be
2: your pastor? What Nate's saying, uh, and I agree with that, say what His God's desire for how we live and the things we're doing is to be a minister of rec- reconciliation. I think God's desire and His will for us, when we use that language, is to pursue godliness. It's to become yeah. more like Christ. It's to mm-hmm. grow in sanctification. You know that little thing. And I think that when we develop that mindset of what I think I mentioned on a couple weeks back, that Calvin said that godliness is the beginning, middle, and end of the Christian life. It's so everything apply, we do. Would
0: you apply what you both just said? Would you apply that to, let's say, for instance, I've got two job offers on the mm-hmm. table would you apply that thought process then? Because here, here's Absolutely. what I hear yeah. you saying. You would say, job A leans into me being able to better become someone who is a minister of reconciliation, and job B doesn't. Uh, would it even outweigh job A, which allows me to become more what Christ wants me to come, you know, doesn't pay as much as job B, but I'm yeah. going to take job a i think that's God, my god's will for me yeah what, I would think you sometimes add that equation to i it? would
2: i think because a lot of times no. it, it depending on whatever we see is our highest goal in life is going to dictate the decisions we make hmm. if our highest goal is godliness and likeness, then that might change if our highest goal is the best career we can ever have um, or the best, you know, come out with whatever you want, the best college for our kids, or what are any of these things, that's going to change how we live. And that's going to change the decisions we make for our family. So I think right. absolutely we can get to that point where we can say, hey, these two are good. And maybe nothing in the job itself is inherently bad or not, but this job is going to allow me to give more time to my kids to pursue discipleship in my home more, to be more involved in my church, or any of these sorts of things, then that might be the one that's going to be better for us in our pursuit of godliness. Well, that's awesome. Well, Leave next...
1: more behind or take more people with.
0: Yeah, that's, there you go. There's an equation. Maybe that should be a t-shirt, <laughs> Nate.
1: Maybe you should have all the youth. Potentially, we could do that. So, yeah, keychain at least. But it or it something. is, and, and 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 to piggyback on what Adam said, that, um, yeah, it is. It is about becoming who we're supposed to become as well, um, because there are good works that He's laid out for us to do in advance, and all of those things pour back into a minister being a minister of reconciliation, because you are an ambassador, and the more you actually represent well in that holiness factor, people saying, okay, I could see that. It doesn't matter how. Um, eloquent somebody is in sharing their faith with you if you don't see that faith transforming in their own life. Like, why would I want, why would I want that? You know? So, um, and just allowing God to change us in such a way that it doesn't just excite us in a way that we're going to tell other people, but to where people um, are intrigued by the possibility Mm -hmm. of being free. Yeah. I've heard many conversations over the last few weeks
0: about these messages, that we, we have purpose and we are driven because the love of Christ controls us, mm-hmm. and that's who we are as a people. We're getting ready to go into a series, uh, the book of Mark, and we're going to be looking at and learning about the disciples who often would hear Jesus say something, and then they would go, Huh? And they wouldn't quite get it, and he would have to revisit it with them, and it's going to be very interesting. I'm excited about uh, that coming series. Thank you guys for being here today to kind of talk Absolutely. through kind of a recap of the Driven series, and um, hopefully if you are listening to us and you, have, you missed one of those messages, uh, they're also online as well. You can uh, check those out. Uh, looking forward to the days to come. So awesome to serve with you two guys. Looking forward to the series and Mark. Thank you guys for joining this podcast today, and we will talk to you soon.